The following is a sermon from Pastor David Salinas of Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, in whom we were baptized and to whom we are superglued, inseparably connected to him in death and in life. My dear brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus, the word of God that we are going to consider this morning is the second lesson, this other lesson from the book of Romans in our Romans series from Romans chapter 6. So in a sermon that a pastor once delivered, he commented on how, as a result of our own weakness because of our sinful condition, we simply don't walk our Christian walk the way that we ought to and and that we want to. We're always, well, as Paul had said earlier in Romans, falling short missing the mark. And the way he put it, I think, summed up very well what life is like for you and for me. It's not that at every point in our life we are as bad as we possibly could be. It's just that at no point in our life are we ever as good as we ought to be and want to be for the Lord. Something's got to be done, he cried. And in that something's got to be done, I hear, I hear this, this sighing from the beating heart in the Christian of us all. To be those all-in Christians, to love the Lord our God with all that heart and really be willing to sacrifice all, even, even the closest relationships to us, if only we can cling to Christ and be with Him and walk with Him a little bit better. And I know that to a very real extent, that desire is in your heart, just as it is in mine, because otherwise, why are we here, right? I want to grow in my faith, and I do want to love the Lord Jesus more than ever, and I want to be a better pastor, and I want all of those things for the glory of the Lord because of what he has done for me, and I know that in your own ways, you want that too. Something's got to be done. Something has been done, and that something is baptism. This blessed sacrament by which the Lord our God, Jesus Christ, our own Savior, who lived for us, has now come to live in us and move and breathe and exert His energy in us so that we can love Him more and love Him better every single day. And so I'm so excited now that we are in this section in Romans and we're going to be talking about baptism. And my invitation to you at this moment right now is this. Will you join me in drowning? Not your sorrows and booze. Yourselves in baptism. Drowning not to death, but to life. Open up your worship folders. Page 11, please. What shall we say? 
Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Are you crazy? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery, dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin, not just for sin, but to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So I stumbled upon this cartoon the other day. Some of you will see it, maybe not all. Two couples are having a Bible study. They're having a Bible study in their living room. And this lovely lady in a polka dot dress says with his jovial, kind of happy-go-lucky smile, well, I haven't actually died to sin, but I did kind of feel faint once. When I run into those words from Paul in verse 2 of this lesson, we are those who die to sin, I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I don't feel very dead to sin. Maybe, maybe faint sometimes. Because you know how it is, right? I mean, those things that go through your head that you just know, oh my goodness, you shouldn't be thinking that. But for the life of you, you can't, you can't get it out. And we all have those favorite sins of ours, those sins that feel just so delicious to our flesh. And we just... We know we shouldn't, but we just give in anyways. And, and we all have those weaknesses about us. You know what they are with you, just as I know what they are with me. And so when I, when I feel this raging within me, dead to sin, sometimes I don't even feel all that faint to it. But this is the truth. This, this failure of ours to see ourselves dead to sin, it, it isn't funny. It's not a joke. Because it, it's precisely this that can lead us to take this staggering grace of, of the Lord God that, that Pastor Tim so beautifully explained to us last week, a, a, a grace that makes, that makes life even more certain than death, and, and spit on that grace and abuse it in the way that the poet said. And he said this, I like committing crimes. God likes forgiving them. Well, I think the world is just so admirably arranged. So true story. Sad story for me. In my first congregation, there was a young lady. Had been faithful. She 
stopped going to church. And so I visited her, and in one of my visits, I discovered a public sin that she was committing. And it was an all-too-common sin. She was, she was living with her boyfriend. Uh-oh. And so in love for her, I, I needed to tell her not what she wanted to hear, but what she needed to hear, the truth. And so in love, I told her, do you know that what you are doing here is wrong? And, and, and you're, you're thumbing your nose at the love that God has for you by openly disobeying him. Do you know that, that you are seducing your boyfriend away from the face of the Lord, and he is turning you into a loose woman in the eyes of God? Please repent, because the Bible says that the sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I said that to her because I so desperately wanted to hear David's words that came back flying to him when the prophet Nathan confronted him. I have sinned against the Lord. I wanted her to say that so I could just immediately wrap around her the beautiful covering of Christ Jesus and tell her, do not be afraid. He has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. He doesn't condemn you and neither do I. Come, rise and sin no more. She didn't give me that joy. So you know what she said to me? It's okay, Pastor, because after we're done, we both get down on our knees and ask for forgiveness. Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? She did, because she didn't see herself as dead to sin. And the very same thing can and does, to an extent, happen with all of us. Yeah, those favorite sins of ours that we can grow comfortable with, those are always around us. And sometimes we can, we can become so used to them that we really stop feeling all that bad about them. Other sins, we, we can rationalize instead of repent, like, like sins of outbursts of anger. Well, well she started it. Well, well, he hit me first. But then I think there are sins, too, that, that may be very specific to us who live in a city like this. Listen, hey, you know what? Psychologists have actually found out something amazing. You know what it is? That we have limits to our patience. And that we, I mean, is it, you know what they call it? They call it ego depletion. And, and this is what happens, they say. When, when you live in a, in a high-paced, high stressful environment, hmm, I wonder who lives there that that can tap into that precious resource of your patience. And basically what happens is you end up becoming a jerk to everybody around you because you've exhausted all of your patience on the minor frustrations of city life. In other words, a place like New York City can really change you and turn you into kind of a jerk. Instead of being the love is kind, the love is patient, the love is not rude kind of people that please God, we can turn into the impatient, get out of my way, can't you see I'm coming through kind of people, too. And we get used to it. We get numb to it. We, we tolerate it. And we don't even feel all that bad about it anymore. And I'm seeing the smiles out there because, because I know it's true. And, and it's true for me, too. There are things about me that I just, I'm like, I really should feel more bad about that than I actually do. And it bothers me that I don't. How numb I can become to the sins around me. Well, this is precisely where baptism just rushes in 
and I mean it saves us. I mean like, like, you know, like the waters of the flood saved Noah and his family as the waters came and lifted them high, high up above this perishing world. As the baptism promises tap into us new bubbling springs of raw Holy Spirit power to die to sin and to live for God. Look at what I'm talking about here again in, in Romans 6. Uh, he makes this statement. We are those who die to sin, right? So he makes this objective fact. How does that happen? How does Paul say that that happens? Well, he says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with Jesus through baptism. So this is what it's like. You know when you were born? Well, you don't remember when you were born, but you were born because you're here, right? When you were born. Waiting outside into their loving arms was mom and dad, but before they could put their arms around you, waiting right in front of them was sin. And so we were born to sin, and sin grabbed us and placed us instantly into the steely, deadly claws of death and hell. But the day that you were baptized... The Holy Spirit came in and he snatched you right out of the jaws, right out of the claws of the sin and the hell and the death that would forever be our destiny. And he instantly bundles us up like little mummies in our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus then took you in his arms and he doted upon you and he placed you into the lap your heavenly father and said there it is one more treasure for whom I have died who is now yours and death no longer has mastery over you and you say to yourself well how could this happen to ask the good Lutheran question right how can baptism do such great things and this is a section of the Bible that is absolutely stunning because what what the Apostle Paul says is that is that through the, the name of God in baptism, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that, that is the concise preaching of the gospel itself. The Holy Spirit comes to us, and, and he, in, in this marvelous, almost mysterious, majestic way, unites us. I mean so thoroughly, so completely, so fully with our Lord Jesus Christ, that just as we, we can say of the bread and of the supper, this is the body and the blood of Christ, we can look at the lives, and as I can look at the lives here, and I can say, this is the life of Christ. Or in other words, we were connected to Christ by baptism so that when he died on the cross 2,000 years ago and was buried in that tomb, you died and were buried with him. Signed, sealed, and delivered. This is this is the truth of what baptism says. It's, it's this majestic, mysterious thing to be that connected and wrapped up into the Lord Jesus. But this is God's word and how he proclaims it and how he sees it. And so that means you are truly dead to sin by baptism. That is an objective fact. I don't care that you sometimes don't feel very dead to sin because I don't feel very dead to sin. We've been baptized. That means we are. Because Jesus died on the cross, was buried in the tomb. Objective fact. You were baptized into Christ Jesus, objective fact. That means you are those who are dead to sin. And that means, first and foremost, that, that, that you are those who will never truly die because you will never be separated from the love and the bliss 
and, and, and the glory of God, your heavenly Father, since you were snatched out of the, the grimy, dirty hands of the guilt of sin. And so you're not guilty for any sin in your life, including the times when you and I, when we take for granted the, the blessings of the Lord. That's amazing, is it not? Yeah? There's something even more. It's even better. Because baptism, it is forgiveness. It is washing. It is cleansing. But it is also one thing that is so very important for you and me to understand. It is power. It is raw, unbridled, I mean, Holy Spirit power to die to sin and to live for our Lord. Paul says that too here, right? Look at, look at this. Look at the very purpose for our deadness. What, what does, what, why, does, why did God unite us to Jesus in his death to sin, says Paul? In other words, what was the reason? What was the goal or the aim of you dying with Christ and being buried with him? What does that passage say? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. Here you want to take your little pencil and circle this next phrase. In order that, because that is the purpose. That is God's goal. You died with Christ in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And so, so God's goal in uniting us to Jesus in his death to sin is so that we would not just stay dead and buried in that tomb, but follow him right out of that grave to live a new life, completely directed, completely focused on the Lord our God. Right? That's God's goal. That is his purpose. But as God does so beautifully with so many other things, he accomplishes the very things that he desires for us. And, and, and so, so that comes up in that next verse, in verse 5. Look at that verse 5 with me again. What does it say there? If we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. So this like his business just means this. What you consider the characteristics or the qualities of Christ's death. He died not only for sin, but to sin, right? So separated from him. He's risen and lives a new life to the glory of God. That same likeness you and I are to have in our life. And then with this beautiful word united, Paul tells us that God actually accomplishes that goal. You know what that word united is? It's the, the word um, that was used in, in horticulture when you planted two, two seeds together and, and, and the plants sprouted together and grew together. In other words, this is Paul's way of kind of saying what Jesus said in John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. And so through our baptismal connection, we, we draw life from the life-giving sap that is our Lord Jesus. His vigor, his vitality, his energy courses through the veins of your souls by your baptism. And so that means something very important here, and I don't want one single person to walk out of this room, to walk out of this church today without getting this, without understanding this, without believing it and living it and just being energized by it. You are absolutely beautiful. I mean, whew, beautiful as the day is long, dashing as the day is long, forgiven in Christ Jesus. You are as lovely to God as he is. True. Baptism is true. More than that, here it is. You are capable. You are capable to die to sin and to live for God as he is because his vitality works in you through baptism. In other words, you can say no to sin. You, you can repent of sin. 
And, and when you sin and you fall down, you can be like Rocky Balboa, and you can get right back up, and, and you can say, that all you've got? I got something for you, the Lord Jesus. And you can fight again, and repent again, and fall again, and get up again, and fight again, over and over every day of your life. You can love the Lord your God tomorrow better than you do today. You can go out and serve Him better than you ever have. You can. You can, and you do, because through baptism, you no longer live, but Christ lives in you, and the life you live in the body, you live by faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave himself all for you. How do you feel right about now? You ready to go out and conquer the world? Yeah? Yeah? You ready to kick butt for the Lord? Yeah, you are. Now comes, I think, my favorite part, because it's like the, the point of the sermon, really the, the whole point of, of this message and, and that Paul has for us. And this is to, to take this moment where we are just convicted and energized by, by what Christ has done for us and how he lives in us, that we continue to die to sin and, and, and live for him every single day, to, to, to repeat this moment in your life tomorrow and to live better and better. And, and so Paul helps us do this with the very first imperative, the very first exhortation that he has in the entire book of Romans. Verse 11, count. Count yourselves dead to sin but alive to Christ. Now when I hear that, my, I kind of cringe at first because I'm not really good at math, and so when I hear him count, but, but you know what? This is the kind of math that I really like to do, and for all you, number, all you numbers people out there, because it's really easy. easy. It just involves three digits and a plus sign. And can I teach this to you now so that, so that you tap into this baptismal power and live more and more to the glory of God each day? Can I teach you this math? Okay. Everybody take, uh, lift up your right hands, please. Right hands. Take the first three digits of your hands. So your thumb, your index finger, your middle finger, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Pinch them together. I'm going to teach you how to cross yourselves and before I start, I want to say this. Crossing ourselves is not just a Catholic thing. It's certainly not a, a Christian superstition or a lucky rabbit's foot. It's a reminder of baptism because what we're going to do is we're going to place the cross that was first marked upon us on our head and on our heart when we were baptized to mark us as a redeemed child of Christ. Start at your forehead. Go down to your heart. To the left. Your left. <laughs> to the right. And tomorrow morning, and, and maybe for the rest of your life, at some point, you wake up and you, and you cross yourself and you say this, I am baptized. Sin, I am dead to you. Doornail dead. And I, you are not my master, and I will not give in to you, and I repent of you. I am baptized, dearest Lord Jesus. I am covered in you, and I am one with you. Give me your strength to live for you this day. I am baptized. Holy Spirit, you fill me with your power and help me die to sin and help me live 